try not to pull any plugs out this time. I think last time I was here, I pulled a plug out, didn't I, in the middle. Anyway, there we go. Um, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 11, and verses 16 to 19. And I'm having terrible deja vu here. Phil asked me to come and speak, uh, use the, the, the talk that I used at uh, Word Alive. And I've got an awful feeling I've used this passage with you before, so please forgive me if I have. It's, uh, anyway, we'll take it as a spirit incidence here, or a God incidence. If it is, maybe it's a message for us. But uh, I'm just having terrible deja vu standing in front of you. But there we go. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 16. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. So, Lord, we bring ourselves to your words, and we pray, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you may bring just what is right for us today and tonight. I pray, Lord, that you will just work through my words, and Lord, we pray that your name will be honoured and glorified. Amen. So, Hope in a Messed Up World, I think it's some, some sort of title like that. Well, let's, let's see where we go with this. And uh, hopefully it'll be an encouragement for us. Um, I don't know whether in this digital age, whether children still play the old sort of games. You know, the old sort of games that children used to play, that we used to play. Uh, the ones where we sort of m uh, model ourselves or ape adults. So cops and robbers, doctors and nurses, uh, school ch children and teachers or, you know, that sort of stuff. Do you remember playing that sort of thing? I can remember my sister years and years ago in her room putting all her dolls out. Do children still play with dolls? Who knows? I hope so. Anyway, they put all the dolls out and she would had a good old shiny blackboard and she used to write spellings on it for them and maths questions. And then she'd made little exercise books out of pieces of paper and sort of stapled them together or something. And she'd go around. So she'd put the question on the board and then she'd go around answering them in each of the dolls because they couldn't write because they were only dolls. You, you do get that. And so they were writing in their tiny little exercise books. And I can remember thinking at the time, even though I was quite a lot younger than my sister, thinking, this is stupid. She's asking the question and then she's answering them in the books. What's that about? So I went in and played my own game one day in there and uh, played football with all her dolls and kicked them around. And I can still remember the wrath of my mother descending on me. And I'm being quite surprised. I think, what are they bothered about? They're only dolls. But anyway, there we go. I used to play my own games. I used to, we used to have a good old shovel, a good workman's shovel. And I used to go in the back garden and dig massive holes. I can still remember doing it. I'm sure some of you did it. Digging for Australia. I'm sure you did it a bit. Digging down, digging down, and then just leaving them. Big holes, because that's what the workmen did on the street outside. They just <laughs> dig big holes and left them. And again, the wrath of my mother was upon me, because obviously I dug all the flowers up at the same time. I didn't really notice all that sort of stuff. But that sort of thing of trying, children trying to, to, to be adults and, and, and the old games. Well, Jesus seems to have seen some children playing some games like this in our passage that we've uh, looked at. 
And they were playing on the street. Do you remember the time we used to play on the street when it was not full of cars? Oh, I'm sounding really old-fashioned and old here, aren't I? The, the kids on my street still play on the street. Uh, it's a cul-de-sac, but the parents have to stand at the end and stop the cars. <laughs> they sort of wave at you as you come flying around the corner, instead of not to squash their children as you come round. But you remember those old sort of days. Well, these children are playing these games, and they're aping the adults. They must have seen weddings. They must have seen funerals. And so they're playing a game. Not cops and robbers, but weddings and funerals, all right? And you can just imagine what they were doing. They're playing a game of, of, of weddings. So they're singing a sort of, a good sort of Hebrew tune. You ever done any Hebrew dancing where you put your arms around each other and you dance one way and dance? I'm not a very good dancer, but you know that sort of thing. It's great fun. I'm sure you've enjoyed that sort of stuff. You can imagine them all having a, and so the children are all singing this and dancing and wanting the adults in the marketplace to join in. Maybe some adults did, but generally they didn't. Now, I, I do have some sympathy for the adults here. Uh, I think I told you last time I was here that I do lunch, uh, lunch duty every day at school. Uh, I get a free lunch out of it, but I also meet all the children. But often they come through and they want to do fist punches with you. They want to do dabbing. They want to do all sorts of things. Get me to join in. I'm saying, whoa, no, I'm too old, you know, that sort of thing. And they all look really disappointed. So you have a half-hearted attempt at doing a high fives with them. And you think, I'm too old for this, you know what I mean? But they were doing, they were trying. These children are trying to get everyone to join in the dancing, the wedding dancing. If it was nowadays, it would be, what do we sing at weddings now? Agadoo-doo-doo and New York, well, I don't know what they were dancing to. But they didn't. They are trying to get the adults to dance to their tune, but the adults have got their own head music, if you like. They've got their own tune to dance to. They're in the marketplace. They're buying. They're selling. They're getting on with the seriousness of life. So they don't join in. So the kids are a bit peeved and a bit annoyed. So what do they do? Well, let's, tr let's change it. Let's play funerals, okay? So they sing a sort of dirgy sort of uh, a tune, Hebrew tune. And it says that they want them to mourn. And mourning, the Greek, the, the word there really means beat your chest. You know, that was the way that you showed that you were mourning. You still see it in, in Eastern societies now, beating the chest. And so they're wanting the adults to beat their chest and sort of play along with them. It's a bit of an odd game. And I bet the adults felt a bit strange with what was going on here. So the adults... Don't join in. So you can imagine the children feeling like you can't do right for doing wrong. It doesn't matter whether we play a wedding tune or we play a funeral <laughs> tune. The adults just won't play. They won't dance to our tune. Why does Jesus mention all this? He says, to what can I compare this generation in verse 16? In other words, what's our society like, we might put it. What's our society like? It's like this says Jesus. What is he talking about? Well, he, he actually explains. He says, from, in many ways, we can't do right for doing wrong as followers of our Lord. And if you feel like that tonight, that's your hope, all right? Because it's Jesus acknowledging, this is difficult. So what's he talking about? He says, well, look at John the Baptist. And again, look at the whole of this, and you know the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes into the wilderness, and he's in the desert, and he's telling everyone a serious message, a serious message that the Messiah was coming. He's telling them that they should repent. He's telling them that you cannot carry on as a society. You cannot carry on like this. It's going to end in tears. You must stop. You must turn around. You must come back. He was shouting this message out. 
in the wilderness. What was he like? Well, he couldn't have been a very comfortable person, a comfortable message to hear. Because it says that John the Baptist was not eating. Now, it's not that he got some sort of eating disorder. I mean, he was eating, but he wasn't eating normally. Talk about grab-and-go food in the desert. He's, what he's eating, we, we read elsewhere, he's, reading, he's eating locusts and wild honey, isn't he? I'll tell you what, I'd skip the first course and go to the pudding on that one. I don't think I'd like the idea of locusts. Wild honey sounds all right, but you know, he, was just, he was just eating on the go. It was strange behavior. He says he's not drinking. Well, he was drinking, but not drinking alcohol because he was a Nazarite. He was, got a vow made over him as his parents. But he's drinking. What was he drinking? I suppose he's drinking the River Jordan, which he was baptizing people in at the same time. don't know about that, about polluting your drinking water. I did have some people come to me a few good number of years ago with a bottle of Jordan water. I bet some of you here have done this, but if you've ever been there. He brought some Jordan water back. And these parents came and said, I would like you to baptize our, it was a child, it was an infant, but I want you to baptize your, my child in the Jordan water. So I took the top off it in the vestry. Oh, I tell you what, that did, it was a bit ripe. It had been travelled along there. Talk about tropical diseases away. So I, took, I poured most of it out and put good old Yorkshire water in. Did it up again. Poured that in. Nobody was the wiser. It was just as spiritual. It was just as, you know, just as good. But the, I tell you, if John the Baptist were drinking that water, you know, well, good on him. He was a rough diamond. He was someone you didn't mess with. He's wearing camel's hair, which must have been irritating and he was irritating, wasn't he? The sort of person that he was. He got a prickly message like his clothes. Repent. Now, the amazing thing about this is that people went out to him and were baptized. Why were they baptized? If you were becoming a Jew, if you wanted to convert to Judaism in those days, baptism had started to come in as a way of doing it. So a way of sort of washing away the background and started going to under the water, coming out into a new life. As, as a Jew, you could, you could convert. But John the Baptist was telling the Jews that they need to re-Judaize, that they needed to start again. It doesn't matter that their parents were Jewish. That's got nothing to do with it. And all their heritage counted for nothing. They had to start again. This was a, a prickly, difficult, judgmental message. But people came out and were baptized. We have moments in our society, don't we, where we look at our society and we think, I don't like where we're going. Um, I think just at the moment with the Grenfell uh, inquiry that's going on, um, you know, that the inquest, that's part of it, isn't it? There's a little bit of, you know, is health and safety just for rich people and not for poor people? Is it, you know, all that sort of things that we're beginning to look at ourselves as a society and maybe, depending on the results of it, we don't like what we see about ourselves. And this was a moment when the people went out. Many, many people. Suddenly, John the Baptist was singing their tune. They danced to his tune, even though it was a bit of a funeral tune. It was a bit of a sad tune and a challenging tune. And out come the religious leaders, if you know the story of John the Baptist. Out come the religious leaders. And they see what John the Baptist is doing. John the Baptist sees them and he says... Oh, I am really pleased to see you. Welcome. Come over here. Isn't it great what's happening? Is that what he said? No, he certainly didn't say it, did he? He saw them coming. He says, you snakes, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming judgment? 
had uh, some uh, girls a year or two ago who I dobbed in for truanting at school. Uh, they, they deserved it. And, uh, but every time they saw me on the corridor, they went, you snaked us out, sir. I think it was in good humour. I think it was in good humour, but I don't know, but there we go. But there's that idea of sneaking out. You slippery, slimy people trying to get away from God's judgment. John the Baptist was having nothing of them at all, and they had nothing to do with John the Baptist. And they probably spoke for the majority of society. Yes, some people heard and came out and were baptised. Many, but I think that would be a sizable minority. Most it went past them. They would not dance to his tune. What did John the Baptist, uh, sorry, what did the religious leaders say about John the Baptist? They said, he's got a demon. He's possessed. He's mad. He's weird. He's a psycho. He's lost it. He should chill out. He should lighten up. Ever said, been said about you? You know, as a Christian, if you stand up for biblical truths, you will get it. I'm sure you've got it. And if you haven't heard it to your face, it's been behind your back, I can assure you. Because our society will not accept many of the truths that we, we've been brought up to believe in or come to believe in. They just won't accept it. They will think that we are messed up. They will. The fact that you're sat here on a Sunday night, I don't think you're messed up. You should be at home watching, well, I don't know what's on telly tonight. But you know what I mean? What, what on earth are you doing? Weird. Jesus, of course, went out with the crowd and he was baptized in the River Jordan at the beginning of his ministry. And when he was baptized, heaven opened and the something like a dove comes down, the Holy Spirit comes down upon him and there's the voice from heaven, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And at the beginning of his ministry, he went out into the wilderness, he stayed in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and after he's getting his head around this and he's tempted by, the, by Satan, trying to work out what his ministry was, what did he do then? He stayed out with John the Baptist and he shouted out to people, come out here and follow me. No, he didn't do that, did he? Interestingly, why didn't he follow John the Baptist? He'd gone out and been baptized with him. He stayed in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, not even eating at all. Never mind, locusts and wild, aren't they? But then he went back into society. The total opposite of John the Baptist. No one would accept John the Baptist's tune, or very few would. They didn't dance to his tune. He was Jesus beginning a different way. It's a different tune he's singing, if you like. He goes back into the towns and the cities. He's popular. He's loved by the crowds, which is not surprising because he healed people. He did amazing miracles. He had star appeal. He treated everybody with love and acceptance, whether they were lepers, whether they were traitors like the tax collectors, whether they were the sort of the, the underbelly of society that people try to ignore like the prostitutes, whether they were the forgotten people like the children, the women and the widows. He was there. He mixed with them. He said, let the children come to me. He went to parties where there were prostitutes and tax collectors. He was the total opposite, seemingly, of John the Baptist. We know it's the, other, the flip side of the same coin. We know that, don't we? But he is going out, mixing with everyone. And when the religious leaders saw what he was doing, they said, what a relief. 
that we've got a normal person here now. Isn't this fantastic? Oh, dear, John the Baptist was such a weirdo. But here is Jesus. He's just what we hoped for. Is that what they said? No, of course they didn't. We, we hear what he says there. He, he said, they said, he's a drunkard. He's greedy. He's a friend of sinners. And I hope you get what the word is. Friend in the Greek means a lover. It's the word of love. He's a lover of sinners. And they were being quite forward in that. They're saying he loves, he's too close to sinners for his own good. In fact, he seems to like being with sinners. I wonder why that is. You can see the smear campaign that they are doing it in. The children said in the marketplace, we can't do right for doing wrong. Don't matter whether we sing a, a funeral march or whether we sing a wedding march. Nobody will play with us. Nobody dances to our tune. John the Baptist came with a message of judgment and repentance. And a few accepted, but most ignored and thought he was, was possessed. Jesus comes with a great message of love and acceptance. And he's crucified. And the crowd shouted to crucify. And the crowds went with him, didn't they? But they tailed off. They tailed off as it got closer and closer. Why do I pick this passage for the, the theme? I think this is what our society is like. We have a messed up society. They know that they're messed up in many ways, but they will not accept the message of repentance and the message that they have to come back to God and come back to his ways. I think it's almost impossible for people at the moment to come back, and it's getting harder and harder. I think I mentioned uh, last week a little bit about this, or last time I was here, but you know, we're in an information overload sort of society. I go to watch Sheffield Wednesday, as some of you might know, uh, and I sit there in my, my seat or a season ticket, and there's a, a young mum in front of me, and she's lovely, a great Wednesday night, a great Sheffield Wednesday supporter, but she always gets a phone out every few minutes, and she flicks through all the different social networks. She this is whilst the match is going on. She's flicking through them all. And she, I think she's pressing likes to different things, saying, oh, I like that, I like that. And flicking, flick, 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 which is, which is what people do. They don't read. They just flick through uh, so different networks. She always finishes up with the, with the ongoing football scores, which is really good. This is why I notice, because I look over her shoulder to get what, uh, what the scores are uh, around the country at the time. But, you know, we're, that's how it is. We're constantly bombarded. And especially young people. Young people at least are on their phones 70 hours a week, at least. They are bombarded with opinion and views but very little truth. In fact, anyone who says this is the truth, you flick through that, ignore that, don't like that. I think I mentioned last time I was here, uh, that program, that choir competition, which none of you had watched. I can't even remember what it was called now, to be honest, but anyway. Uh, anyway, a choir company, Gareth Malone was one of the judges. You know, I'm, oh, I'm glad we got some here and Noah talking about. Anyway, they had this competition week after week with these choirs. It was brilliant, and these judges judged them, and he had a winner every week. And then they came to the grand final, and they came down to two choirs. And at the final, they're going, they said, right, we've got to decide who's the winner between these two choirs. And they said, so we're going to put it to a vote with the great British public. Why? Why? What does the great British public know about the intricacies of harmony in a choir? I have no idea. And you can tell they didn't know because they went and voted a choir from Leeds, the winner. <laughs> there you go, it just shows they don't know what they're talking about. But is this sort of idea, everything goes out to the great British public. 
It's about how many people believe it. And that's what, why we find it such a messed up society. We're trying to put over truths about God that the majority don't accept and probably never will accept. And because everything nowadays is down to public vote, then what we're doing is wrong. Can you see it? We're weird. Because it's, it's about majority. If the majority think it's right, it's right. But it's more complicated than that. We live in a society which is accepting of everybody, or tries to be accepting of everybody. And that's good. It's an inclusive society. We live in a society which is far more charitable than when I was brought up. It's far more believing in caring for others. There's lots of good things in our society. It's fantastic. The way that young people, young people treat each other far better than they ever used to do. I bet there was more bullying going on when you were at school than there is now. Depending on what, you know, even though people think it's all bullying now and everything. Actually, children nowadays are much more accepting of each other. They're much more accepting of disability or difference than they ever were. They're much more aware of what's going on in the world. And that's the message of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus cared for everybody, whoever they are. The problem we've got is that we as Christians point out that actually that's following the message of Jesus. We care, we know what love is about because of Jesus. They look at you as if, what are you talking about? It's nothing to do with Jesus. Because they don't know the stories of Jesus. They don't know where all that knowledge and truth about, about how to treat each other comes from. It comes especially in our society, from a Christian heritage over hundreds of years. Look at the charities they're supporting. How many of those charities were set up by Christians? How much are we still benefiting from incredible people in the Victorian era who went out of their way to care for the poor? But we don't know our own heritage. We don't know our own history. We think we've discovered it. It's because we're open-minded and liberal and broad-minded. So even when we say... You've got that from Jesus to say, no, we haven't. We can't win. So even when they agree with us, they don't give glory to Jesus. And they think that somehow we're jumping on the bandwagon. Do you ever feel like that? It's really hard now. But if we, to actually say, you need Jesus. You need to follow Jesus. Jesus is the only way. It's almost impossible to say nowadays. Because as soon as you say something dogmatic, there is no doubt that everyone will, most people will think you are wrong. The only thing you're allowed to be dogmatic about is you're not allowed to be dogmatic. Okay? It is really hard. And that is a society which you live in, I live in, and our young people live in far more. It is incredibly, it's probably harder now to be a young person as a Christian than it has ever been in, in for, well, I don't know when, last time. Certainly for, for decades, decades. Because it is very hard to stand up and say, I follow Jesus because he is the way, the truth and the life. Well, he is for you. You can go off and be as weird as you want and we'll accept you. But how do you put that over? So it's a messed up society. Where is the hope in all this? The hope is that Jesus acknowledged it's a messed up society. Jesus even saw that they were ignoring him. 
Jesus saw that there was, it didn't matter whether they came out with a message of repentance or whether he came out with his message of love and forgiveness, they weren't going to accept either. They weren't going to see either. So we shouldn't be surprised when we feel up against it and we feel that we're not making any headway at all. But we must keep going. There's one last phrase. Did you catch the last phrase? A very enigmatic phrase. At the end of verse 19, Jesus says, but wisdom is proved right by her actions. Literally, wisdom is proved right by her children. That makes it on a literal sense. That's why I believe, that's why I'm doing the work that I'm doing, working with children. Because I believe they need, they need to hear the wisdom of God. They need to see it. And because for the future uh, that we need for our children to accept it for the future of our country, the future of our society. But it's not really about children. It's about wisdom will, if you like, give birth to truth. In other words, truth will always win. Good will always overcome evil. Our society will come kicking and screaming and they will see that the message that we're giving, that we're living out, this message of their repentance but also love and forgiveness. The parable of the prodigal son has to be the greatest parable of all, mustn't it? I, I really think it's absolutely... The amazing way that the boy who goes out, thinks he knows best, goes out and squanders all his father's <coughs> goods, he comes to the moment of repentance in front of the pigs, the Jewish boy feeding the pigs. And because he has heard from his father, because he knows the back of his head he's done wrong, he repents and comes back. That's why we've got to keep preaching the message of the gospel. We've got to keep living out the truth. So our society, when we get to the point, or when they get to the point of feeding the pigs, they say, we've got to go back to the father. But when they come back to the father, they see the father running towards him and hugging them. So we've got to give the message that the father is running towards them in Jesus to love them and accept them. We've got to give that message out. We've got to keep going. And wisdom will be proved right by her actions. Because it will work. Let's just bow our heads for a prayer. Lord, we live in a, a messed up world where even the really good things aren't given to you, aren't, praise is not given to you for them. Lord, you created a world that was good, and yet even the good bits we don't praise you for. We don't say that you're the creator even. And Lord, we go after, we chase after things which are bad. But our society won't be told. Our society can't even accept that something is evil, that something is wrong. Oh Lord, help us to be faithful because you saw this and yet Lord you carried on faithfully to the cross so that those who hear your word hear your voice will repent will come back come to their senses and come back to you Lord give us strength Lord to keep going in our society Amen